Welcome to Fast Growth Stories, the straight-talking guide for entrepreneurs who want to grow quickly and secure funding. Brought to you by EHE, where entrepreneurs help entrepreneurs. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fast Growth Stories with me, Nairi from EHE Capital. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by somebody today that I've admired the work of and the work that she's doing in the field. She had a brilliant summit last year, Better Business Summit in Manchester, which I think was one of the first and biggest. It gave me massive FOMO because I didn't make it there. And it's talking about what something that's that's hugely important to all business owners and entrepreneurs around sustainability. And with her business, Better Not Stop, it's Hannah Cox. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the EHE podcast. How are you? Hi, Nari. Great to see you. And thanks for such a lovely introduction. Hi, welcome. I was so, um, when we started planning this series, I was adamant that I really, really, really wanted you to come on, even though we hadn't met. And I think I emailed you, didn't I, on LinkedIn? And then we had a mutual connection that we both know. And I sent him an email and said, I really need you to send her an email and tell her, (laughs) tell her that she needs to come on this podcast and tell her that I'm not weird and I'm like, and that you really endorse it. And he sent one back like really late at night going, yeah, okay, I'll see her on Monday. And then he did reply. So I said, just like continue to advocate because I just really, really wanted you to come on. I think it's really important and it's not something we've talked about on this podcast before around sustainability and growing business the right way. You're definitely the person to, to talk about this. So thank you so much for coming on. Before we kind of get into the the nitty gritty of things entrepreneurs could do, I just wondered if you would give us a little bit of background about you and your your story and where kind of Better Not Stop came from. Yeah, of course. So I've had the name Better Not Stop since around 2011. It started as a, as a travel blog, actually. The name came from something my dad said to me. He, he suffered a very quick cancer illness. And in the hospice, he said to me, you know, don't do what I did, be in the same job for 40 years that you don't particularly love waiting to retire and kind of fulfill up your bucket list then. Because what happened to my dad was he retired and then literally died within months. So he didn't have that opportunity. So better not stop comes from this kind of idea to continuously look for ways to improve your work and your life and your career to make the world better. I did it as a, I used to put on a lot of talks and events around that name, which I kind of did as a a bit of a side hustle hobby. I just decided to take it seriously in 2019 and I had an idea around social impact, which didn't quite work out because of COVID, but COVID actually afforded the opportunity for me to think, how can I make this business something that's really beneficial on a larger scale than just to individuals? So that was when I started to look at B2B consultancy work and a lot of businesses at that time who were looking to become B Corps, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly, kind of had that bit of space at that pause that COVID allowed to look at how they were running their businesses and how they wanted to structure them and how they could create more robust, sustainable businesses. So there was quite a lot of interest in B Corp certification around 2019. And at that time, I helped a few people I knew pro bono through the process. I then started charging people for that process. And then that kind of grew into the business that we have now, which is not just B Corp certification, but helping businesses with all sorts of impact strategy and sustainable strategies to help them grow and be sustainable. Brilliant. Thank you. Good old COVID always seems to, everything seems to come back to COVID, doesn't it? But, you know, it's never a great time to start a business, but then here you are in 2023 and absolutely thriving. And I think probably one of the 
the Pinnacles was possibly the Better Business Summit, which you held in Manchester. Was it your first one last year? It was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was when it was supposed to be November. It got three weeks before it had to be rescheduled till January, which was oh. a challenge, but we we got through it. That also came from the fact that businesses started during COVID. The Better Business Network, which is a membership organisation, my business or James in the business runs as well, had been running for a few years, and we thought we'd really just like to have an opportunity to bring everybody together. Manchester Met University were really keen to work with us on that. I wanted to do something in Manchester because that's where the business is and that's where I've been based for 12 years. And I was just really surprised that there hadn't been anything kind of sustainability and focus driven up here that wasn't run by a local authority or something like that, that mm. was run by businesses. So I thought, right, this is the opportunity. Let's let's pull something together and there was obviously an appetite for it because it sold out and we booked in to do next year, literally the week after. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So in terms of sustainability, obviously today what we're looking at is is kind of things from an entrepreneur and an investor's point of view. Obviously, we do know and we, you know, we've both started businesses. You're wearing so many hats, probably things around being sustainable and, and creating a positive impact entrepreneurs know it's probably something they should be doing but don't really know what it is they should be doing or how easy it is as a starting point really why would you say it's important for businesses to consider sustainability as part of their core business model I think the best way to look at it is as a foundational way to begin your business or or ways to put really strong systems and processes within your organization I think in the past, sustainability has been thought of as, okay, I'm going to get my finance sorted. I'm going to get my staff sorted. I'm going to get my kind of sales sorted. And then I'll look at my sustainability. But actually, sustainability needs to be viewed as something that kind of sits underneath all of those processes to make sure your business lasts a long time. So I always look at it as, is the world a better place because your business exists? And how can you make the world a better place because your business exists? And that's in every aspect of your business. So let's use your staff as an example. You want to be making sure that your staff are happy in their job. They want to stay in in the company. And how do you do that? It's not just how much you pay them, it's how you treat them, which all leads into what systems and processes you're putting in your organization to create an environment which people like to work in and people want to work in. So it, it kind of all starts at the beginning, really, but all too often it's thought of as, I'll look at that when I get a chance, when Mm. I finished all this first stuff. But it really needs to be something that you do alongside everything. Yeah. And I suppose if you wait until later on, bad practices have already crept in, haven't they? Or a bit of legacies crept in or, the the, you know, it's more difficult to change a culture when it's already established and not necessarily what you want it to be. Whereas from entrepreneurs, you've got the opportunity to impact something from day one or day zero and, and start from scratch. So you would hope it might be a little bit easier than changing exactly exactly and also as entrepreneurs we're born rule breakers you know you usually started a business because you see an opportunity for you to do business in a different way so sometimes it's because you've got a completely new product or service that you're bringing to the market sometimes it might be you, you might already have competitors in your market but you're bringing it in a new fresh value driven way so the way I see it is and and how we bought our business on was what type of business do I want to create? So often when I'm doing something in business that I think, oh, I've got to do it this way because everybody else is doing it this way. I then remind myself, actually, 
no, I don't. So there's been lots of things that we've adjusted in in how we run Better Not Stop based on this is the type of business I want to work in. And it doesn't actually matter that there are different business rules in how things are done. Just because other people are doing it another way doesn't mean our business needs to do it that way. And we want to build our business in a different way because we don't want to be the same as everybody else. Yeah. And that, that absolutely will be music to every entrepreneur's ears, I would think, because no one really wants to be the same as everybody else. That's not why we we start our businesses, is it? In terms of kind of some sort of tangible benefits, have you got some examples of things you've worked with with entrepreneurs on or businesses on where they've made some changes and seen some results as a as an impact of that? Yeah, sure. So I'll give the example of I work with a lot of businesses who want to become B Corp certified. So they'll come to us because they'll maybe have seen competitors in the markets who are also B Corps and found out about it, or they've seen companies like Patagonia who are probably, mm-hmm. you know, the, the top B Corp to look at and thought, yeah, that's they align with my values. I want to run a business like that. So they see that B Corp certification as an opportunity to really put a stamp on all the hard work they're doing as a purpose-driven business. Now, I find often when businesses want to go through the B Corp process, it challenges them because often it's questioning why certain systems and processes are through your business. But I've not worked with one business that's gone through that certification process who hasn't come out a stronger, more resilient organisation. And the data backs that up too. So there was a performance report on UK B Corps versus kind of UK businesses in general from the Office of National Statistics. UK B Corp had a faster growth in turnover and employee headcount than the UK average. They had higher expectations about their future growth. They had greater levels of employee retention, engagement and diversity, much more focus on civic and community engagement, which we know is really important when we're talking about brand identity and customer loyalty, higher levels of innovation. But importantly, I think from the investment point of view, if you are building a business that is looking for investment and looking for kind of additional external finance, B Corps were equally successful at securing that external finance. So even though B Corps live in a kind of stakeholder value driven way, which is in the interest of the stakeholders, not just the shareholders, that doesn't seem to make any difference on whether people choose to invest in those types of businesses. And in fact, often investors are looking for businesses that are a bit more conscious and aligning with their values as well. So the, the statistics and the data is actually showing using sustainability frameworks, whether that's B Corp or GRI, which is another standard that we use in, in our business for businesses that might not want to do B Corp, is, is just very clear ways to put in a nice system in your business that is going to help you grow in an impactful way. Brilliant. Thank you. And I think going back to the, the kind of stakeholder thing, and perhaps this is why it it rings so true with me as a as a marketeer as well. Is we're I'm always thinking about stakeholders and customers are as important as kind of people in within the business and we're representing the customer interest. I think what you know we've seen, particularly with sort of Patagonia, we all know that story, don't we? Because as customers and stakeholders, we're interested in the kind of the behind the scenes of a business. We don't just we're not just buying a product anymore. We want to know who runs it, how do they run that business, and equally when we hear the horror stories coming out of ways organisations treat their staff, it switches you off that product, even if that product might have been amazing. But you know, and you'll go and source something else. So from a kind of a competitive advantage. 
I'm not sure competitive advantage is the right word. It's almost what customers expect now is to be able to understand and read the story behind the business, know the founder, know the team, know how they treat the team, know how they support mothers returning to work, going on maternity leave, flexible working, everything else. So it's really, really, you know, as well as kind of the environmental practices. So I'm not sure it's even a, a nice to have anymore, is it? It's, you know, it's 2023 and the world expel, the customers expect this. What would you say, I suppose, sort of being controversial to, to people that feel that things like B Corp and kind of having that sustainable mindset is a bit of a tick box exercise or not not an essential? Well, okay. Yeah, good question. I don't think that's particularly <laughs> controversial. I would say that the data, there is a really good report by Wunderman Thompson. I can put the link so you can pop it in the show notes. Yeah. That actually shows exactly what you said, that there is an expectation now of customers that you look after your staff and your value chain. It's not just a nice to have anymore, which I think probably 20 years ago, it was like, oh, that would be nice, but I'm not really paying any attention to it. But now it's an expectation that you're doing that and what else are you doing beyond that? So and I don't know whether that's my age in like how I'm just consuming or whether that's kind of market trends, but there's a good, there's a good report on that. In regards to someone saying B Corp is a tick box, it's such a hard process to go through. It's, it's not a tick box. I mean, I guess if you could just, if you could go through it in the space of a month or it didn't matter how much money you had, you could go through it as an organization, then it could be seen as a tick box. It's quite a robust process, which looks at five different areas of your business. And there's an expectation to evidence the work you're doing in each of those areas. So there has been a bit of uh, controversy around some businesses that have gone through that B Corp process. And as a result of that, B Lab are making these processes even more robust. So at the moment, there's five sections a business needs to talk about. They need to get a minimum score of 80 points to pass the assessment, but there's no minimum score in each section, which would mean they could do really well in one section and not so great in another. B-Lab are updating that. So it's going to be 10 sections by the end of the year and every section will have a minimum requirement to get through. So it's going to be even harder to become B Corp. So B-Lab, who is a non-profit that created the assessment, don't sit on it. They're constantly trying to create more and more robust procedures to go through the process. And it takes a while to go through the process. I think the quickest I've ever gone through that process with a business is probably 12 to 18 months. So it's not just filling in the assessment. It's then doing the work in the company. It's then evidencing that you've been doing that work for six to 12 months and then being able to certify as a B Corp. So it's not a tick box. It might look, oh, they've just got the logo there, but a lot of work has gone into getting, getting that logo on their, on their product or service. And if organizations weren't necessarily thinking B Corp yet, but were thinking about adopting some practices that make them more kind of environmentally conscious, sustainable, you know, creating a better impact, where's some good places for them to start? What type of things could they be be thinking of? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't say to join the Better Business Network. It's one of the reasons we created that community because many people in that community are businesses who are either on their road to B Corp or B Corp just doesn't fit them as an organization. So the network signposts businesses to how they be can become B Corp, but how they can also do lots of other sustainability, sustainable, impactful systems within their business. So off the top of my head, looking at your net zero strategy and plan, we work with a brilliant company called Small99 who are in the network who do that at a really cost-effective way for small business owners looking at becoming real living wage as an organization to make sure you're paying your staff well, 
we also use something called the global reporting standards in, in how we track sustainability in businesses. And that uses the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals as a framework. So looking at what the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are as an organization and seeing how you as a business can help find solutions to some of those challenges and align your strategy with that is also a really good thing to do. But I would always say just join a community that is also trying to do the same and there will always be resources there shared with you. Another great thing to do is carbon literacy, which is an opportunity for the people within your organisation to understand a bit more about climate science and what you can do as an organisation to also make the world better in the environmental aspect. But yeah, I mean, there's... There's absolutely tons out there. I could talk for an hour of all the different things you could do as an organisation. Yeah, brilliant. And then just to kind of talk about the Better Business Network, that's available for any entrepreneur business in the UK. Is it a UK-wide thing? Yeah, yeah it's it's UK-wide. We have got a couple of businesses that are overseas as well in the network. We've created that as an opportunity really to signpost businesses to other businesses that are doing great things and also opportunities for them to grow as well. So by joining the network, you've got access to hundreds of tools and resources. We're constantly providing uh, updated information to our members. We have a really, really popular weekly newsletter that goes out with about 70% open rate in which James, our community manager, will keep you updated on all the latest sustainability strategy news, as well as all the latest UK political business news that's relevant for organisations, as well as workshops, meetups, all that kind of stuff. That would be where I would point you if you're an entrepreneur wanting to kind of explore more about what your business can do. Brilliant. Thank you. And we touched a little bit before about investors. Obviously, we are seeing investors want to invest and and VCs want to invest in companies that kind of not necessarily have the B Corp status, but have kind of considered some of these impacts and are on on the right road around doing things in a kind of sustainable, considered an impactful way. For investors, you know, is there any advice you'd give to them? How How would they find out a little bit more about kind of B Corp, things to be looking for, red flags, perhaps through the investment process where things don't quite quite sit right so a red flag for me if I was an investor is if a business hadn't received any kind of outside consultation on their business practices so we work at better not stop I work as an impact consultant and sometimes a business can have the best intentions but actually they're they cannot have knowledge in the best way in which to measure things so as an investor I guess a lot of it's gut feeling as well as kind of the finances on the paper But I would try and get an understanding if a business is saying it's sustainable, it's saying it's impactful, it's saying it's purpose driven. It's all very nice to have these kind of like adjectives floating about the place. But I'd try and find out from that business, what are their clear goals in that space? What are the key performance indicators for that? What are the deliverables? What are the metrics they're measuring things on? And what's the data they've based that all of? So for example, there's the B Corp assessment, which businesses can do for free and they can use that framework. There's also the GRI standards, which businesses can also access for free to see what those metrics are. But there's almost no, it's not that there's no point, but there's no way to measure the impact if you haven't got kind of clear deliverables and KPIs and basically Mm -hmm. asking businesses why they've decided to use those metrics to measure their impact is really important as investors as well. Brilliant. Thank you. So I think what we've talked about today makes a really clear case for the fact that you know sustainability impact things like b corp are there to help businesses grow they're not a fad they're hard work and i think once you've been through it once i have worked i worked for one organization that went through 
B Corp and I know how much blood, sweat and tears goes into that and how proud organisations are of that status. And there's a customer, you know, we all buy from businesses that we feel whose values are aligned to ours. So hugely, hugely important. There's lots, you've talked a lot today about kind of where to start. And I think, so I suppose finally, what I would just say, Hannah, is to somebody to somebody whose business is growing very fast and rapidly, doesn't necessarily feel like they have got time or know where to start. What's your one bit of advice? I know you've mentioned the Better Business Network, but have you got any other advice that you would share with an entrepreneur in terms of where to start with this? I mean, I would I would get a professional to give you a hand, basically. So as we all do with business owners, it's just working out at what points in your business do you get a consultant in? When, when do you get a freelancer in? When do you get somebody full-time in? I think we'll see a trend. I mean, we've seen on the LinkedIn data is showing that sustainability managers is the most kind of uploaded and searched for business. But I've spoken to some people in sustainability managers role who don't understand scope one, two and three emissions and perhaps don't actually have the knowledge that they need to really help businesses push through. So before even potentially even, you know, hiring somebody into your business to do that role, get a bit of an understanding of what the different strategies and concepts are, whether by joining the Better Business Network and maybe just get a consultant to come in and support. Yes, that's something that I do in my business. There's a whole website called for B Leaders. If you're specifically looking at the B Corp assessment, there's a B Leaders website. You can find someone that might be more specific to your business on just a day rate or something like that. But one of the easiest things you can do is reach out to other business owners who are doing stuff that you love and asking them for their advice. Because if I've learned anything in business is if you don't ask, you don't get. And also people are very happy, myself included, to support people in finding out about things that maybe might have taken me six months to do. And I'll go, do you know what? I did that. That didn't work. This has worked for me. And just having those honest, transparent conversations, I think the more honest we are with each other in business, whether that's about finance or impact or any aspect of what we're doing, it really just shows who you are as a business owner and also people want to support you as well. So reach out to your existing network for support. I'm sure there'll be someone to help. Don't try and do it all on your own. Yeah, well, you can't do it all on your own. I think that's why you've talked so much today about all these different things to look at. I think unless they have a a really brilliant, like you say, sustainability manager, you can't. And I think just on that other point around kind of reaching out, obviously we had a conversation last week around we're involved in, a, in an event in a few months' time. I know you'd run the Better Business Summit and I really wanted to just get some ideas from you around some of the things you did to kind of make that as sustainable as possible. It's been a couple of years, thanks again, COVID, since I've been involved in big events and things have moved on. And that, you know, there was some stuff you talked around, around like the food, et cetera, being plant-based that probably was already in our thoughts, but there were some things you talked about as well that I hadn't even considered. So things like asking organizations not to order bespoke merchandise for the event to bring what they already had you talked about which I've never heard before around that it was like a thick cardboard stand concept wasn't it a very durable stand which blew my mind actually but again once you said it it made loads of sense but and you had I remember seeing on LinkedIn you had like a bit of a lanyard amnesty didn't you encourage people to bring or reuse theirs so definitely I mean it definitely wasn't perfect there was a few huge mistakes bloopers we made at the conference but there were just things that we just considered which were also sustainable in a cost-saving manner as well so the lanyard amnesty as an example we did get some plain ones just in case people for you know forgot but we did find many people bought their own lanyards 
as an example, our event staff were not in uniform. So we had some leftover high-vis vests from a project we did at a festival. We did an impact strategy for them. They're a client who aren't B Corp. They work on the GRI standards. We said, do you mind if we kind of repurpose these high-vises that we, we had printed for your campaign? They were like, go ahead. So that meant people knew who our event staff were, anyone in a high-vis you can ask a question to, but we didn't waste a load of money on crew T-shirts that were never going to be worn again. We made sure that we just kind of did a customer journey. We, we imagined we were coming to the conference and we thought, oh, what what points can we provide a more sustainable experience? So teas and coffees were in China mugs, for example. There were re- refillable water stations. Something we did, which I've never seen done at a conference before. I think it was a world first. I will claim it as a world first yeah, unless anybody wants to. <laughs> we put nature in the in the conference. So in every single one of our panel discussions, we where you have like people's faces mm-hmm. come up, we had nature as a as someone we needed to be considering in that discussion. And when we had our panel chairs laid out, we had a chair which represented nature. Now Next year, we're going to grow on that concept and give nature a voice in all of our panel discussions. But it was a visual representation and a reminder to our our whole audience that, yes, we're talking about business. When we talk about business, we're talking about commercial success. But we've also just got to be very conscious of where we are, the planet we live on, the nature that we're we're taking from to create our organization. So, And that was really impactful for a lot of people because it did really steer some of the conversations that we're having on stage because we were giving nature a voice in that so brilliant yeah I love that and and people react differently to to cues don't they so some people will remember that but having that visual representation there they couldn't have forgotten it and I think that that feels like a really good place to end that on because it's around taking small steps and like you say all businesses need to make money one way or another to survive. This isn't around, this isn't at the detriment of profit. This is around enhancing profit, enhancing growth. And, you know, we've been to, we've all been to events before, haven't we? Or things where you feel really uncomfortable about the amount of wastage that's happening and you almost feel guilty for having a second bottle of water because there isn't that refillable option there. And it doesn't feel right for us now as customers. So for business businesses that are putting on events, that are doing excursions, etc., we have to be considering that again you know thinking about the the customer journey and how customers think and feel and act so thank you Hannah that was so good there's like you said there's so much you could kind of talk about isn't there and go into detail if anybody's listening to this and they do want to find out a little bit more information what's the best way of getting in touch with you and finding out about the better business network etc yeah I'm I'm on LinkedIn so you can just search me on there Hannah Cox better not stop is the name of my business and everything kind of sits underneath that I'd also recommend I haven't can't believe I didn't mention it, but if anybody's interested in learning more about more social and environmental impact in their business, donor economics is something that we work to the concepts of within our business. So it might be interesting for you to kind of delve in to discover that. And I heard a really great quote when I was at a conference last week that's really, really stuck with me, which is profit is the fuel. It's not the destination. Brilliant. What a lovely what a lovely way to end the podcast. Thank you so much, Hannah. Really interesting. Thanks everybody for listening. I hope you found it as useful and insightful as we have. We've popped all of the links for Hannah's business and the network, etc., in the description box and we'll share that on our social channels. Thank you, Hannah. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Fast Growth Stories. Please remember to subscribe and review and visit the ehe.team website for the latest on fast growth and funding.